0: episode of crew three podcast i'm your host ruckman and with me as always are my co-hosts chris and ricky gentlemen say hello hey how's it going guys and I just want to remind everyone that we are sponsored by our wonderful supporters at Patreon. That's patreon.com crew3mtg. Chuck in a buck to get your name on all of our streams and videos I post on the YouTube channel. $5 gets you a piece of exclusive monthly content and our back uh, library of monthly content pieces. And $15 for dollars International gets you the monthly swag bag mailing. And, of course, uh, you have to sign up by the 10th every month to get that month's mailing. Um, gentlemen, how was your week? Yeah, pretty good. Solid. I've, uh, you know, I played some Magic. Yeah, Ricky, uh, congratulations are in order. Because uh, we're not talking to just Ricky Lin. We're not talking to Mythic Limited player Ricky Lin. We're talking to Mythic Limited ranked number 94 Ricky Lin. So congrats to Ricky on that big That's achievement right. there.
1: Top 100 gamer. Oh, man. I am I love the format, but I am glad I'm done.
0: <laughs> you, uh, you
1: just resigned from your deck so you don't play it again, right? Uh, yeah, if I lose, I will plummet so hard. Uh, that's how mythic works. So right. I'm just going to ride my 94th until it's like a solid 400th place, and yep, take my invite. There you go. There you go. All right. Anything else before we get into the metagame? Oh, let's
0: jump in. All let's right. In. So so we're gonna do a quick metagame here um, because if you guys listen to this episode, listened to the show before. You know what to expect at the Pioneer metagame right now, right? It's going to be some mix. The top decks are Soul Tie or some Reclamation Build, Four Color Omnath, Monogreen Planeswalkers. You know the drill. So, we're just going to do a quick, and there are, we have a bunch of spoilers to cover, as well as a wonderful interview that I'm going to pipe in after the metagame breakdown. So, I'm just going to quickly run down for everyone the two challenges from the weekend, and we'll give the round of applause to the winner, and then we will go to the interview and then move into spoiler talk. So, in on the challenge for January the sixteenth, we have Orzak Orz at number eight, Monogreen Planeswalkers at number seven, Wreck at number six, Loris Burn at number five, Blue Black. What is this? Just hard control. We got some uh, some rogues here. Okay, at number four by the Sandwich King, we have Mono Black Aggro by Zhuxia yusha I don't know XUXA. In second place, we have four-color Omnath. And in first place, we have P-Tarts to win. So if you want an interesting build, go check out this kind of rogues list. We're bringing actually Zarin's, or Zerathan and Notion Thief into the main board. So that's, that's some big games there. Also, I want to point out in this... Challenge Kaburb, who is partnered with the interview we're going to play in a minute. Connor Eleven in seventeenth uh, and fifteenth place respectively with the Orzov Hammer deck, and he went ahead. Connor went ahead and posted his his matches on Twitter. Uh, and essentially, they, they were one win away from top eighting, So, hey. This deck is a lot of fun. I played it on stream a little bit over the weekend. I'm going to play it again tomorrow uh, to, or Tuesday if you're listening to this podcast sort of as it's airing. Obviously, it comes out on Friday. I had a lot of the fun with the deck, so I can't wait for you all to hear the interview here um, in on the challenge for January the 17th. We have Trash with Azoria Spirits, uh, Lurus Burn in 7th place, 6th place Esper Control, 4th place Four-Color Omnath, Fourth place, Monogreen Planeswalkers. Third place, Four-Color Omnath. Second place, Mogged with Red, which is some Gruel Beats. Oh, we have an Obosh build. We haven't seen Obosh in a little while. And then fourth place, Max Magister with Oops All Spells.
1: Hmm, I love Oops All Spells.
0: How about them Oops All Spells? All right. So, uh, again, that's your sort of metagame breakdown. Hey, I want to point out, Traff's doing it again. They, we haven't seen Traffs in a while, but they're back. They're bringing the spirits. They're doing their namesake thing here.
2: Yeah, I was checking their tw- checking their Twitter uh because I didn't see them tweet about it, but I think that I will uh have to come back to it because I don't see anything just yet. <clears throat> um oh, here they are. Yep. They beat Monogreen Lotus Field, Oops All spells, Omnath, Lotus Field. Lots of uh, lots of Lotus Field coming back, it looks like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Seven and one. I'm not sure what they lost to. I don't see it on here, but wow. So he's he says the the spirits deck not good against Soltai, but Tie had been pushed off pu- pushed off enough by Lotus
0: Field in Omnast that he felt comfortable playing it, so he went back at it. So that's amazing. I mean that makes sense to me that when I was playing spirits, you know, in the, the inverter days and stuff like that, the Tie matchup was always the one I never wanted to play. Yep. <clears throat> um now I, sense to me. I will point out before we start the interview with Connor Man here. That this week, uh, he and his partner Kaburb, his sort of testing partner, they did make a big change to the deck. They've made some sideboard tweaks. But the real thing is they cut Mardu's Shadow Spear and they are now playing Dragon Hunter to give them a Savannah Lions over the dash ability of Mardu's Shadow Spear for another one drop warrior.
2: Okay, good. I was worried enough for a second you were gonna say they took out the wish claw talisman, and I would have uh, I would have been very sad. So, uh,
0: well, we cut down to two wish claws.
2: That's acceptable. That's a perfectly acceptable number of wish claws, in my opinion.
0: So. <laughs> All righty, so let's go ahead and kick it on over to the interview, and we'll be right back to sort of wrap that up and go over some spoilers. <laughs> right listeners we have a special interview today uh sort of following online with when we had go delicious a few weeks ago talking about their mono red vessel deck list Uh, i'm joined by connor man 11 who's of course the pilot of that wonderful orzov hammer hammer time whatever you want to call the list so connor thank you for joining me for this uh, brief little interview here hey zach yeah thanks for having me yeah, no problem. So, g- give us a little rundown of just your your basic history with Pioneer. I saw you had several like top 32s and challenges and whatnot with Gruel mid range. You had a twenty seventh place at the chance with Burn. Uh, actually, I think when your deck specifically was one of the ones that really gave the revival. I think when I think of Gruel mid range, and as a Galea gamer myself, uh, I definitely play that deck list a lot in all of our events. So, just sort of, what's your general history with Pioneer?
3: Yeah, so I actually started playing Pioneer basically right when the format came out first and i played a variety of decks as most people did at the beginning sure. i started with i have a really um nice issue with mono blue tempo decks if anybody remembers pro tour back when uh autumn bouquet one i i've been playing that deck for a very long time before it ever became that style of deck with but well, mine mine started off a little differently obviously and then i kind of you know i'm an, I'm an aggro player at heart so i always like playing cheap spells and you know one and two mana creatures and you know just you know putting pressure on the board and that kind of thing so sure and then like you brought up there i eventually um you know started playing Grawl and i played Grawl for a while there and I, the deck treated me very well i top eighted a challenge and like you said a bunch of top 32s and stuff like that and the deck was just really fun i just loved going you know into turn to legion war boss or turn to rabble master against a yeah. lot of decks that was just game over right And it felt really good in the meta at the time burn didn't exist and you know and it was in a good spot. And then Pioneer kind of died off. You know, the grow, grow was obviously a little more recent, you know, just a couple of three months ago or something. And then Pioneer mm. kind of just, you know, people started to finally figure out um, the correct shell to have Uro and because Uro is just like just super, a super insane magic card. And yeah, everyone yeah, is yeah. just playing, you know, their Uro deck plus cards around it, whether that's four color or omnath or that Soltai or you know, Reclamations or whatever, you know, it all revolves around Uro. So
0: I mean that's that's pretty much every form with Uro now, right?
3: Yeah it is, yeah. So you know in that card obviously it's been legal for too long and still legal. So <laughs> Sure. Um we definitely agree with you that there. Yeah, that's what kinda got me into um trying to play Hammer was I actually started I saw the Hammer deck in modern.
0: Yeah, 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 I mean, that that's a clear sign. Yeah, that, that deck's succeeding in Modern. Is there a parallel to find in Pioneer?
3: Yeah, well, because what happened in Modern is there's all these Ur decks going around, and I was beating a lot of opponents, by you know, they would just tap up for Ur, and I'd just untap and have a couple of hammers in hand, and, you know, and a Cigar Aid and a creature, and just, you know, I was just beating up on all these people playing Ur, which felt really nice, and then I, you know, started thinking that if we can do something similar in Pioneer, where Uro has completely taken over the format, and we can, you know, just have these silly little, you know, twelve power creatures on turn two attacking or what have you. Then mm-hmm. that would feel really good, and that's sort of what the deck's been doing. I have an extremely good record against decks running Uro. I think the only match loss I have is my very first one with the deck. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, I I saw I saw your tweet about the deck three wins up on burn, three wins up on soul tide. I think that was before the challenge. I think that was just when you were practicing with the deck in leagues rather.
3: Yeah. So I also uh in the challenge i played i think it was just just this past weekend it would be um a couple of days ago i guess now would have been on now uh, what january 9th anytime i would see a red deck it would make me really happy because especially in game ones because their removal is just like um what is it? i can't remember what the card code is called but the equivalent of shock or like lightning strike was just lightning and yeah you can play you know you basically what happens in those matchups is if you're aggro opponent on burn is just sitting there holding up a removal all game, that means they're not putting any pressure on your life total. Sure. So, and you can just sit there and hang out and eventually you get to a spot where, okay, I have God's Willing and two Hammers in hand, right? And, you know, and a Resolute Strike and a Cigar to Zayden play. And then they have to have, you know, five or six removal spells all in the same turn or what have you, right? In order mm-hmm. for them to actually... And once you get a hammer on a creature, the game is just over, right? You All of a sudden you have a you know, 12, a 12, 11 creature in play right and yeah so i beat i beat up on burn decks a lot in that challenge Every sure. deck every burn deck i played i think i played three of them and i beat all three of them pretty easily just basically i had one game on the play you know i went turn once i his aid they went like turn one soul scar and then i just went creature hammer my creature and the game was over they conceded yeah. a couple turns later and you can put shadow spear on a creature and give it life link and then you know attack gain 13 right that's pretty easy to or 12 or whatever and the game is just over so mm-hmm. burn is burn is it's weird playing hammer um the more that i'm playing it the more i'm realizing that it's almost like i want to see removal heavy decks as long as it's not like exile removal you know like black and red decks both for pioneer and modern which is kind of a weird thing i've come to realize which is weird, cause, i mean we're looking at great. the deck
0: right and your your creatures are all ones and twos is is uh, is fatal push not like a real worry to you at all
3: yeah, Fatal Push is definitely a worry. Um, but it's more so just something that you have to be aware of. Like because like the the key thing to point out with the deck list, as you can see, um there's a lot of like um, you know, Savannah lines, which is like a classic one mana two one. Sure. There's a lot of there's a, there's I think eleven um one drops in the deck and then you know like seven two drops. So I've won quite a few games by just playing a bunch of two ones and attacking, and they keep holding up removal spells in case I, you know, try to hammer a creature or something, right? And then they're like, you know, it's it's this game of cat and mouse where they just keep waiting, waiting. And then I just go, fine, you take four damage, right? You're down to 12 now. And mm-hmm. I have six power in play. And then all of a sudden it's like they're dead soon and then they have to fire off a fatal push. And then as soon as they do that, you know, or they fire off a, a red removal spell, then I you can respond with a hammer, or, you know. Or you can... The nice thing about Resolute Strike, which is the the which is the, one of the equip, equip spells... I put some equipment on creatures, is an instant. So you can, you know, if they go to kill a creature, you just put your hand on another creature, right? Yeah. And then that creature gets through. So that's been really good. And obviously there's, um, you know, Apostle of Purifying Light on the sideboard, which has been one of the best sideboard cards.
0: I, any, any white deck I play, I start with, with at least, you know, two or three of those cards. Now, obviously, the card I really want to talk to you about uh, is a card that, again, I, I briefly mentioned when we started recording this, uh, our co-host, Chris... Loves him some wish claw talisman. You fulfilled wish watch twenty nineteen. So so you know, obviously he he's been saying for a long time now. It just needs a home where you can activate it, and the game's over that turn. And I think your deck is the one that is the first one we've seen that like really does that. Is was that the real inspiration for putting this card in here, or were, you know, where where did the wish claw come from? That's what I really want to know.
3: Yeah. So the 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 wish claw background comes from. Um, me and my, I should give a shout out here actually to my, my friend Kaburb um, Mike. He's, he's actually the, the very original boo of the deck, but he's more so, he's more so a boo than a player. And it, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of me and him that have been working on the list, right? He comes up with the list and then I test it, make changes, you know, usually on my stream. And, um, yeah, what happened with Wishclaw was that the deck has basically four, you have basically in quotes four hammers in the deck. You have Colossus Hammer and you have four open the armor, which is just two mana, look for an equipment, right? It's mm-hmm. a tutor and put it to your hand. And then you have eight equipment, ways to equip hammer. Sigurd's so aid and resolute strike. And that was the problem, was that in modern it's different. In modern you have twelve hammers, right? You have Stoneforge Mystic and then you also have a Tutor spell and hammer. So in Modern it's easy to find hammers. But was in Pioneer, that was the problem was finding both a hammer and an equip spell was not was always was difficult and that was our problems was we were having to mulligan a lot you know to look for these and just never finding them in some games and losing and so then we thought well you know in pioneer pioneers a little slower than modern obviously and you know wish claw can find either one right on a turn that you really need it you can just go okay well this turn i'll wish claw for a hammer and then put a hammer on an unblocked creature and kill you this turn right mm-hmm. and your opponent gets wish claw but you know they're dead so it's fine right Sure, definitely. Uh, now, so uh, is
0: there? So you you obviously mentioned you know the red decks are very favorable to you. Is there any other just like general matchup gameplay advice? What what are the matchups? You know, are there are there any other matchups you're really hoping to hit? Are there matchups that you're really wanting to avoid? Sort of anyone sort of looking to try out the deck? Obviously, like I said, actually even some of the people on our Discord actually are taking advantage of the uh, the token you could buy right now to to get the two week God account and just playing the deck as well. So any any quick little general advice, matchups, you know, you want to avoid, you're gonna, you're definitely looking for?
3: Yeah, um, definitely. I think my favorite thing to see is turn one basic forest because that means that, you know, as long as you have an early hammer, the game's most likely just over. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they have calling the great creator, then they can plus it on your hammer. But other than that, I mean, just basic forest and like, I know that the mono red, Burn deck's been going around a lot, which is really amazing for our deck because the old Boar's version ran Chain to the Rocks on the sideboard, yeah. which could be a problem. But now that it's just they don't have any actual exile removal, it's all just Lightning Bolts. You know, it's it's, it's, it's basically just a buy for our deck. But um, those are, are pretty good matchups. And Uro is, any Uro deck is also a good matchup, but it's a very hard matchup to play. You have to play it a lot of times, sometimes very really slow. Other times you play the deck where you just go... Berserk and turn to Hammer. It really depends on what version if you're against Soltai. Soltai is usually a lot slower, but those feel like good matchups too. Like I haven't lost to an Ur deck, you know, since the very first match I played with the deck. And I and we won game one and I played horribly. But um and then, you know, there's like a couple of the problem matchups I would say are um the Orz deck. Mm-hmm. is definitely something that I've been trying to um, figure out a little bit more so, because they can just get a bigger creature than you with Lifelink. Yeah. And that can be hard, right? That, like deck, that a 12 deck's... 12-power creature. Yeah. Yeah.
0: 12-power versus their 15-power favorite Hoplite. The map is uh, a little iffy there.
3: Yeah, it's been tough. And even, like, a lot of games have had, like, a 12-11 in play, you know, but then they just have, like, a 10-10 Lifelink in play, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just hard, right? But, yeah, the the Oras matchup is something that I think, um, you know, I'm still... We're still tuning the deck, mostly the sideboard here. Sure. So we can get rid of that. And another deck that you want to see also is Lotus Combo. Um, because Lotus Combo is just a bit too slow, especially if you're on the play, right? Yep, yeah, makes sense. That's a deck that you should be able to beat pretty And And I guess if, if Niv-Mizzet is still a deck, that is probably... Actually, Nib mizzet is probably an even better matchup than than, than Burn. Sure.
0: Um, so really, I mean, the only other questions I really have for
3: you here are,
0: um, really, you know, you're saying you're still tuning the deck list. I remember, I feel like I remember you mentioning like drop, you, are trying to think of a better card for Settle the Wreckage. Like what are, what are the steps you're, what are the changes you're kind of in the, in the, the, the pits now trying to look at and change and, and adjust?
3: Yeah. Well, so the sideboard has been kind of moving around a bit. Um, we tried out, um, Hushbringer on the sideboard instead of Soul Guide Lantern mm-hmm. because I I played, I was playing against a, um, that was one of our losses in the challenge, actually. That was our last round loss. And we won game one against Oops All Spells. We kept a turn, it was a turn three kill, I think, mm-hmm. on the play for us. Mm-hmm. And they had turn four, and so we just killed them. But then the problem was that both game th- two and game three, we had uh, in game two, we had Soul Guide Lantern on, you know, on the battlefield and everything and we were attacking and we thought Seized them and we had soul guide in play and we took their you know, we took their one piece that they had to win the game. And then they just, um, they had two, they had two, two combo pieces and we took one with Thought and they just top decked, uh, uh, what's that code called? Uh, disenchant effect. Oh, Off top killed soul guide and won the game. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we lost that way. And that's been the kind of my thing with soul guide is, you know, it, it just hasn't been enough against the Oops all Spells matchup mm-hmm. um, half the time. So we tried Hushbringer out because we figured it's a creature too, but not really too sold on Hushbringer either because it's not a warrior. So the sideboard's kind of moving around. But I think the main thing to note about the sideboard that I think the staple cards are definitely um, the four sees and definitely we've gone up on Apostle. I think at least three Apostles, correct? Yes. If not four. Sure. And then... um. And then Light of Hope has also been pretty good too. Just to randomly hit, like, um, you know, anyone playing Change of the Rocks or anything like that, you hit enchantments. It's good against boldness reclamation decks. Um, it can just win you the game they tap up for reclamation and you one mana kill it. They never get to untap, and you untap and hammer them and win the game, right? So
0: uh, Alright. Well, I mean, that covers really everything I wanted to talk about. The deck. I mean, uh, let's just take a couple minutes to talk about um, You you mentioned sort of Uro really overrunning the format. You know, are you and obviously, it seems pretty clear that you're hoping for a, for a ban in the near future. Do you have any other real thoughts on the, the current state of Pioneer? Anything you'd like to see happen outside of Uro?
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, outside of the Uro ban, like, I think Pioneer, I think the decks outside of the Uro decks uh, would make for, um, you know... Qu- some fun magic, honestly, just, you know, a lot of mid range decks and stuff floating around. Yeah. Decks that you can't play now because, Oh, just, you know, mid range is everything. Right? Uh, so
0: yeah. I mean, that, we, I wrote an article just sort of on my own thing a while ago. And we were sort of, this is like back during the Demir inverter days. And we were kind of like talking about like, well, you know, we think that everyone here has issues with it. People have their own community run stuff. We're going to have like our own little community ban list for our group anyway. And if people want to jump onto it, you know, we could do, like, what's the the project Modern or whatever type thing for people that weren't happy with Modern at the time. And we we mentioned, like, you know, we also thought Uro needed to go just because it was just going to homogenize the midrange decks too much just because you can't outvalue the card if you're trying to play mid range.
3: Yeah, I think that's 100% correct. And I should also touch, I think, the Inverter ban. I think that was a very good ban. Mm-hmm. I played in the Mana Traders Swiss when Inverter was legal. Yeah. And it was six of the top eight. And I played it, and all my losses to it in the Swiss all my losses were to Inverto in the Swiss mm-hmm. and there was really almost no way to beat that deck so I was very glad when that deck got banned and that that's what got a ban too was that specific tournament that specific mana trader so I was glad with that ban and now you know it's still a new format so it's still you know only it's only been around for what maybe a year a, a year, year and or like, half, like that. two months yeah so it's still new there's going to be growing pains you know once we get it all sorted out and you know you know, what happens is like, you know, they banned Inverter and then the me- and then the meta after the Inverter ban was just wild. Yeah. It, it was the wild, wild. West. Everyone was playing everything. It was all kinds of decks, Minoda, every, everything was around. And then, you know, three months later or whatever, then everyone's figured it out and now it's Uro. That's, you know, the Uro decks or the yeah. pure zero decks. And then they have to, you know... Hit, hit those with a ban and go from there. Right? I mean, I think
0: everyone's seen, you know, everyone, obviously, all the all the modern fans out there who are, com- like, pointing and laughing at Pioneer, I just always want to point out, like, your format had a lot of growing pains as well. Like, it wasn't, when, you, when you're this early into a format, especially with such a smaller card pool that Pioneer has to deal with, and how powerful of a year of magic we had last year, it's very easy to influence with just a few cards.
3: Yeah, definitely, like, I mean I wasn't playing at the beginning of Modern, I was on a break back then, but you know, I heard that when it first started, all kinds of stuff was legal, and the format was just all over the place and you know, there was huge bands. Mm-hmm. You know, so when the format started. So
0: obviously, you know, without Uro and things like that, like you we you just briefly mentioned after the inverter ban, there's a lot of there's a lot of room to really explore and I think like all, a lot of the brewers kind of left Pioneer just because of lack of paper and lack of just not many people like to get into mtgo and obviously the delay of pioneer going to arena you know uh, do you have any advice for our for our brewers in our audience or anyone out there who potentially hear hear this is as, as someone who you and your partner definitely making up a really fun brew here
3: yeah my advice is to not if if you want to it depends on what you want to do in pioneer but if you want to if you're sort of like me and you want to have a mix of like um having fun and definitely winning then i would not recommend brewing a mid-range deck <laughs> Um, like, our deck is, you know, we have the ability... The Hammer deck has the ability to go later into the game for sure, but at, at heart, it's not a mid-range deck, right? It's mostly just a combo, you know, get underneath you type of deck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would try to attack Pioneer from a different angle because a lot of people, when they brew, they just kind of brew up a mid-range deck because there's you know, a lot of fun four and five mana cards and playing boxes and stuff. Yeah. You can put in your deck that, you know, look good on paper. And then, you know, once you're playing against, you know an Uro deck and they just go crazy on turn four with Omnath and skip to the wilds and stuff. You're thinking, "Wow, there's no way we can win this game. So my advice would be to just, I guess, not give up and just try and, you know, try and, try and go at the format from a different angle, as long as Uro is legal. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, last question for you. Obviously we have Kaldheim coming out here at the end of the month, you know, not necessarily for Pioneer, but is there any card that's really caught your eye you're wanting to mess around with? I know giants kind of came out of nowhere for me. It's something I'm like really interested in looking at. Uh, our audience knows that I've slowly becoming the dwarf king by buying up all the foil dwarves I can. Even though the deck really looks like it petered out with spoilers on me. Uh, but is there anything you're looking out for? Anything that's got you interested right now?
3: Um, there is. Um, I'm actually not sure the name of the card. It's so new, but it's um, oh, there it is, is Val- Valky God of Lies with the Tibalt Planeswalker. I don't actually think it's that great a card by itself either side. I think it's sort of unplayable, mm-hmm. but I think um a deck like Living End and Modern can definitely can definitely have a solid sideboard plan cuz you can cascade into it, right? Okay, sure. And then and then instead of playing the 2 mana side, you play the 7 mana Planeswalker side, which is something you can do. There's that and then there's there's a like a new kind of 2 mana graffiticus cage? Oh the yeah yeah the, the the only difference is that instead of just creatures on graphics cage it it just says non land so mm-hmm. that's another interesting card that I'm kind of keeping an eye on and um a card that kind of out of left field for most people but I had a deck boot in pioneer it's a neoform combo deck um anyways sure. it's kind of like you you copy a you kind of dual cast a um uh, an eldritch evolution or neoform and then you get a new there's a just mm-hmm. new wizard card and then you can make a hundred thousand copies of that and attack for lethal all in one turn. Well, basically there's, there's a card in time called dual strike. And I'm really interested in that card. Cause it's just two mana. Your next source sorcery gets copied, but it also has four tell for one red. So that's a card I'm really looking forward to playing with for sure. Well, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much Connor for, for again, for joining me on
0: this. What, what can the, where can the people find you if they want to check you out streaming? Uh,
3: yeah. So I stream on Twitch. Um, my Twitch handle is ConnorMan11, C O N O R M A N one. one And then um I also have a Twitter. My Twitter is uh Eleven. Just at Connor 11 So <laughs> Perfect.
0: Easy, I guess. Easy to easy to find there. Alright, well again, Connor, thank you for joining us. And listeners, I, I hope you all enjoyed this again. I try we try to find a minute or two here to highlight some of the some of the cool and successful decks in Pioneer that really uh, can sort of break into the meta where we always love to see so so thank you again for joining me and uh hopefully you know if you your your neoform deck uh or you got something else spicy i'm sure we'll come back to you if you got something else for us <laughs> so uh hopefully we can talk to you in the future and good luck in the streams good luck in all your other future events yeah then.
3: thanks uh, really appreciate you having me on here thanks And I want to say thank
0: you to Connor for doing that interview with us. That was super awesome. Obviously, you know, we we loved having Go Delicious a few weeks ago write in and answer some of our questions, but having the actual player there and one of the designers of the deck there really makes a big difference. So I hope you all enjoyed that little pipe in there, a little sneak, a little peek into the deck on what's under the hood. Like I said, it's a lot of fun to play, especially with one more week left on the tokens uh, for MDGO. If you've picked up one of the tokens... Take a few, or a few laps around the block, and the practice cues, Just have some fun with it.
2: Yeah, I, I really want to say um, huge thanks to both you, uh, Ruckman, <clears throat> we're now calling the Warren Rather, which is a combination of Warren Buffett and Dan Rather of Magic Cards here for getting the interview, and also to Connor for answering. Because I think you know our listeners now have a huge. Um, advantage in understanding the deck because again i listening to that interview i got a couple really nifty insights where it was like you know hey we're not going to just throw this hammer on when we're facing a removal decks right like we can wait beat down because they want to hold it until we're we're equipping right you always think about that hey you know if you see somebody with equipment decks you're always trying to kill their creature in response to them paying mana for the equipment or using one of their effects because then you get maximum value we love value as Magic players, so you can tell what a true gamer to think about that, right? Put himself in his opponent's shoes and say, well, I know what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to get max value off me. I'm going to just beat down, and eventually you're going to have to blink first, you know? And at that point, now I'll equip one of my things with the ten ten, or saving a creature, so when you wrath, boom. You know, you wrath me, you waited enough time, but you took enough damage. Now this is lethal with the ten ten. so mm-hmm. really loved hearing that.
0: Yeah, I mean that that patience is is what helps you beat that red decks and what makes that those red decks such a good matchup, right? It isn't just the deck; it's the patience involved to be able to play against those decks. Obviously, he says uh, mono black is is kind of your your worst matchup, just because the the amount of just destruction removal spells there that you your your hammers can't counteract. Uh, but I think you know I was play- the games that I got to play so far. Again, I've only got to stream it for about an hour and a half, two hours this weekend. I'm going to stream it again on Tuesday, uh, sort of after or before rather this episode airs. Uh, so I'll have a little more hands-on time with it. And really, like he says, the burn decks, the removal in the burn decks didn't matter. The only reason I like lost was either to just missing one of the combo pieces or missing a tutor for the piece or my opponent just having a hand of, like, three-plus removal spells. And it, it took those multiple removal spells to stop the plan. So your opponent's got to have, have heavy removal hands. If not, you're just going to get in, you're going to do your damage, and the game's going to be over. Yep. Alrighty. So are you both ready to pick up where we left off on spoilers? Because, boy, do we still got a lot to go through.
2: <clears throat> yeah, we do. There's a lot of action here.
0: All righty. So where we left off, we left off. We finished on January the tenth. So we're picking back up on the eleventh. So let's get started. Who wants first pick from the eleventh?
1: Um, Tybalt's Trickery. Okay. Is going to change how Modern is played. So keep an eye on it because it might be good in Pioneer eventually. Uh, mm-hmm. very, very, very powerful card for those who are listening along. One red, one colorless instant speed counter target spell. Uh so it's a red hard counter. Then you choose one, two, or three at random to mill that many cards off the controller's deck. If this is to prevent getting set up on. Right, right. Then you flip cards until you hit a non-land card with a different name than the spell you countered. So if you counter something, they can't flip into the same thing. And uh then they cast that spell for free. Uh and it's whoever owned the spell. So if you counter your own spell you can, of course, flip through your own deck for any any other spell that's not the name of that spell. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, deck, I mean, it seems really random, but there's lots of ways to abuse this, especially in Modern. If it, it becomes abusable in Pioneer, this could be very good. As it is, red decks can counter, uh, which could be important, like countering the Shadow's Verdict. It's like, I don't care if you get a counter spell here or some other spell in your deck. If you're casting Shadow's Verdict as like the team or deck or... Uh, sorry not the team or the Sultai deck like just being able to counter that or counter Uro and you're not going to get another Uro yes yeah so I do believe that something like this could be good in sideboards of red decks in pioneer just because it is a stop all for two mana in red
2: yeah I think it could make sense you know again maybe this card never sees the light of day right it's a huge risk to do it but you got to understand what some of these things like my point To throw back to, you know, now pioneer all-star wish claw talisman, it's about when you use it, right? So in situations like this, it's gonna be something where, you know, whatever your opponent's casting cannot resolve. Maybe it's an Ugin, right? Maybe it's a Wrath, maybe you're a storm deck and you just need, you know, I don't know, for some reason you're not playing blue or you need extra counter spells, who knows? Obviously, there may be some way to manipulate this on your own behalf. So if you're just going uh a couple cheap spells and then the rest bigs and you say, well, I'm going to take a 50, 50 shot that I'm going to get some giant creature or some giant thing here. I could see it, right. It's, it's going to be janky, but there's a world where you definitely can, you know, just, Hey, play, a, play the flip game and hope that I'm going to flip a, uh, you know, a big creature instead of whatever cheap spells you're playing in this deck. So I, I could spawn entire new decks.
1: I also like if you're playing a Teferi deck that plays red, uh, they don't get to cast it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, your Jess guy. Yep. which is which is dumb uh so it's just a two mana hard counter that mills them a little bit yep. uh that also being said with the amount of counter spells already being played right now in the format if they hit one off the Tybalt's trickery it's not any good yeah so i mean with all the like people playing four of sinister sabotage and like two mystical disputes and like people mainboarding the gates it's just like Tibalt's trickery the wrath and then they flip into a sinister sabotage and it does nothing So I think that this card is going to see some fringe play in Pioneer, but just know that it's going to be a big player in Modern also. So be looking for when that becomes abusable in Pioneer because, you know, as we all know with Pioneer and Standard currently and Modern, the cards being printed today are the cards that do well in Modern and Pioneer. Chris, you got a card?
2: um yeah i mean i think there's obviously some big one for the 11th but the one that i'm going to talk about because for some reason i'm i didn't see it until just now and i thought it was garbage until i realized where i'm going to play it it's amazing and that is open the omen pass and this is just a random common. it's two colorless on a red it's an instant and it says we can choose one we're only going to choose the first one i'm just gonna let you guys know right now uh the first one says add two mana of any one color and two mana of any other color Spend this mana only to cast creature or enchantment spells. So for three mana, we get four mana, right? The second thing is creatures you control get plus one plus early in the, the turn, but we're not we're not using that, right? <clears throat> we're using this to cast one Thousand Year Storm or two Niv Mizzet. Now other people could probably cast more important spells with their thing. There's some you know the flip gods that become uh, isn't there one god that becomes an enchantment or a couple? What?
1: A lot of gods are enchantments.
0: Yeah, um i thought the backside oh yeah I'm, I'm, sure, I'm there are a couple that are enchantments mostly mostly though they are like they're equipments or artifacts
2: yeah i thought the red one might have been an enchantment on the backside, but I wasn't sure no it's, it's,
0: equipment, it's equipment it's equipment you know or it's an artifact yeah there the, gotcha there's like one or two that turn to enchantment mostly they are artifacts sure well either way the
2: you know enchantment decks that were around before was splashing red so I think this could definitely be good there you know there's a reason they haven't been printing ritual spells So I think something like this is going to make me very, very, very happy.
1: Okay. Uh, We all just want to make Chris happy. That's exactly right. This is coming to a stream near you at some point. Are you going to play it or are you going to force me to play it?
0: Uh, Poor Canelo's Dose. I don't think this card's very good, but I just want to point out, we finally have a rune! And after seven more days of spoilers, we still only have this one rune, so I have no idea why this is even a subtype, why this is a new thing. Rune of Flight, one in a blue... Aura Rune, Enchant Permanent, when Rune of Flight enters the battlefield, draw a card. As long as Enchanted Permanent is a creature, it has flying. As long as Enchanted Permanent is an equipment, it has equipped creature has flying. So I think it's really cool that you can put this aura on anything and and you know you can either etch into your creature or you can etch in to an equipment and it has added effects. That's, yeah, that's I, I think it's very thematically interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping we get one or two more runes out of the, at least one of like an uncommon rune in every color maybe. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they can come back in Strixhaven. It's just weird that, hey, here's a whole new subtype and we've only seen one of them after seven days.
1: That is definitely weird. Uh, who's got something next? Uh, which god do you want? I'll cover the other one. Uh, pfft. There's... Two big gods here in my opinion. I want to talk I want to talk god of death. Alright, then I'll talk God of Winter. Okay. Jorn God of Winter is for green and two colorless a 3-3 legendary snow creature. Whenever he attacks, we get to untap each snow permanent we control. So that doesn't mean he has pseudo-vigilance, but it also means each other snow permanent, this guy is a wilderness reclamation for our snow lands. He attacks and we untap our snowlands. Remember, throw all of your basics. In the, the trash, trash can. Yeah. Throw all your lands in the trash can. It's only snow basics now. There's no reason not to yet. Uh, the backside also very good for blue, black, colorless. We get a legendary snow artifact called Caldering the Rhyme Staff. Uh, we can tap it once per turn, or you know, we can tap it, and play a snow permanent card from our graveyard this turn. If we do, it enters the battlefield tapped. This is a lurus, but less restriction. It just has to be a snow card, a snow permanent. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we can't use this to like recast like blood on the snow every single turn for the rest of our lives. Uh, Thankfully, actually, we can't do that. (laughs) Uh, But you know, if we discard or mill ourselves some snow lands, we can just play our lands from our yard. If we want to, we can play other copies of Jorn from our yard. We can play any other snow permanent we want out of our yard, uh, which I think is going to be very powerful. Uh, Once again, this is going to be good in Pioneer. I, I guarantee you the snow deck will be in Pioneer, uh, even if it's just like residual snow, because why not play Snow Basics? Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely in modern, this is definitely going to shake things up. Uh,
0: of course, the other god that Ricky's talking about, the two big ones from this day, were e- Egon, God of Death. For two and a black, you get a 6-6 six, six Legendary Creature God with Death Touch. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile two cards from your graveyard if you can't sacrifice Egon and draw a card. So we have Rotting Regigod here. And I mean, I already love Rotting Regisaur. What's nice is Rotting Regisaur feeds into Egon. And, you know, a big upside here is that Egon, if you don't have the cards right, you sack it. You still get to draw a card, which... Is dumb. Is dumb, right? Like how? How my this, downside is upside. Yeah, right. Like oh, okay, well, I lose my six six after I've gotten to hit you for six, like two turns in a row. Oops, I'm out of cards in my yard. All right, I'll draw a card to replace itself. Like, I think this card would still be like interesting to look at if it didn't draw a card. But the fact that it draws a card is like, oh hell yeah, sign me up. <laughs> and then the backside is Throne of Death for a single blacky legendary artifact. Begin your upkeep. Mill a card. Fortune
1: a black, tap it, exile a creature card from your graveyard, draw a card. Insane. hmm Very good. I think the throne of death might be better than Egon.
0: Uh probably, but I'm here to beat face, and sure. Egon might also be piloting some boats.
1: I uh, like I'm just saying, like Throne of Death is essentially card draw for one black mana. It just it just sits and generates advantage for one black mana. Yeah. Like and I know that we've talked about how much yard hate there is in the format, and thank God there is. Because like this and then like the the ice staff that lets you recast cards plus Luris, like there's so much recursion. It looks like things are gonna get a little grindy in Kaldheim with all this yard recursion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh Chris, do you wanna talk about the poopy god?
2: I will talk about it. I don't I don't much care for it. It's fine. But uh, I mean, I we, think I that feel like
0: we, we're probably going to talk about at least all the gods, right? We're, we're going to, we're going to for sure. I just
2: I, I was hot on the trail of black being really good, so I was excited to talk about a, a card we'll get to in a minute. But the red god here is a Torolf, god of uh, fury, and is not surprisingly a dwarf. Torolf sounds
0: very dwarfy, but um, it's, might it might be. It's a type god, so I mean, he might look they might look like a dwarf, but he's obviously going to be typed god. <clears throat> Makes sense to me.
2: Uh, Toralf costs two colorless and double red. Uh, they're a five four with trample. Whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non combat damage, right? So we're talking instant sorceries, abilities, and the like. Toralf deals damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent. So, um, interestingly enough, if you what blasphemous act or whatever that some of the stuff is that deal thirteen, yeah. Some some huge damage spell or something like that. If you lost I, I believe this it, you win the game. Uh, sure. Other other any target other than that permanent. Yeah, you certainly could. Um, I mean, let's just think of anything else, right? Let's let's say you deal ten damage or something, right? Each time that you you kill something, the excess damage I believe carries over. It does. So. Yeah. That's the interesting thing mechanic with this in case our listeners have not seen or thought about it. That's the potential, you know, the upside for this is that if you somehow are, you know, dealing massive non-combat damage, whatever it is we'll be carrying over each time. So, and the backside is that is Torolf's Hammer, which costs a colorless and a red and is a legendary artifact equipment. And the equipped creature, this is a lot of text, the equipped creature has pay a red and a colorless and tap it and unattached Torolf's Hammer. It deals three damage to any target and return Toralf's hammer to its owner's hand. The equipped creature gets plus three plus low as long as it's legendary, and it equips for two. So um, there's a lot of mana costs here, right? It costs six to do three damage to something, and it only gets the plus three plus low as long as it's legendary. Again, I think the only upside you can think about is, well, you know, at some point, you'll want the 5-4 Trampler. So if you needed that damage for some reason, uh, you can bounce it and then replay it as, as the good side because the backside is
1: probably the worst of anything we've seen. Yeah. So like, look, you got to get three power only if you're legendary. Cause it, it's Thor's hammer and you got to be worthy. Right? Right. Sure. And I get that. You have to unattach the hammer to throw it for three damage, but God, do you have to bounce it to my hand too? Yeah. I guess it's because this card, they're just like, really like, please don't cast the backside of this card. In fact, every time you do, will allow you to put it back in your hand to cast the correct side. Right to make a to
2: make a better decision than the
1: terrible one you right. just made. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Yeah. You've you you've you've realized how
2: bad this is. But by the time you've paid all this mana, you've had these regrets. It's time to make the right decision and just cast the five four trampler.
0: All right, Chris. What? So, since well, I made mean, you made you skip your black card. What is what is the black card you wanted to talk about? Thank you, sir. The black card I wanted to talk about is Rise of the Dread Marn.
2: It is two colors and a black. It is an instant. We create X-22 Black Zombie Berserker Creature Tokens, where X is the number of non-token creatures that died this turn. The interesting thing potentially about this is that it foretells for a single black. So for the same investment you put in to cast it anyway, you can foretell it, which is going to be pretty nifty because I believe you foretell face down, right? So the opponent doesn't know what it is. You set a trap card. We set a trap card, right? So, you know, not the most insane card from the set. I don't want to overhype it. But I really like this for some of the things that I've seen because again, you know now we've got a way to potentially win the game. There's a new black sweepers going on. there's a lot of black control spells and combined with a lot of the other black um, sacrifice, destroy, you know wrath type effects. I think this card is really interesting and I think it's definitely a um, I don't know good design, a, a nifty inclusion to the you know whatever black or black splash decks that you might want to be playing, uh, definitely a fun payoff. Do you
1: want to play this in the aggressive decks or in the control decks?
2: I'm thinking more in the control decks or like mid-rangey type decks. Um, there's going to be a lot of decks that are going to be, in my opinion, either trying to do like reanimation type stuff or mid-rangey type stuff. And you're going to need to play some number of, you know, two for one removals or wrath type effects. Again, I'm thinking mostly in combination with like the the black wrath that just got printed that costs six mana. It's a lot. We may not be getting there all the time, but even for a couple, right? Let's say you were able to kill either in combat or through whatever else enough creatures, this is definitely worth it for the cheap cost. So you definitely could play it in aggro, but I definitely think it's going to be tough to take the turn or time off to play this kind of thing. But it's definitely wrath protection for yourself should you be trying to play aggro, right? You know, we're going to hold this back. We're going to play our. Army of tutus or whatever cheap creatures. And if our opponent does wrath us, hey, we've got this as a backup to replace all those creatures with tutus. So I think there's upside either way. Um, the big point is because you get to control it happening, there's a lot of possibilities for this card, in my opinion. I'm sure there's stuff that I'm not even thinking of, but the big ones are going to be wrath protection for ourselves or for one black, right? When we wrath, we're going to get to do it and finish our opponent.
0: The only other card I wanted to talk about left on the 11th is. Uh, I'm gonna call him Harold, even though it's, his name is Harald. I'm gonna call him Harold, uh, King sure. of Skemfar. One black, green for a three-two legendary creature, elf warrior with menace. When Harold, King of Skemfar, enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an elf warrior or Tyvar card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest of the bottom of your library in, in a random order. This is the one I want to be doing in elves. Like, sure, it's probably good for standard elves, right? Like, it gives you a little bit of extra card advantage. But this, I. I'm not sleeping this guy up in Pioneer Elves. Maybe you can convince me as like a two of, and plus with how many like very like near playable four mana Elves that are that are being put in this set, maybe there's a there's an argument where we're not playing Coco anymore. Maybe instead we're just playing like Court of Calling again. I think there's definitely an argument for that. Maybe if that's the case, then we put in like a Herald. Um, I'm just kind of let down. I think this card is sort of held back by being an uncommon instead of a legend, instead of a rare. So yeah, th- those are my thoughts what's on Harold.
2: What's the first ability that you said it had? I, I didn't understand the word it you
0: said. Minache.
2: Oh okay okay gotcha sorry. The way you said it first was kind of weird, so I, I didn't hear you. Yeah yeah um, yeah. I th- I think I agree with you. I think the problem that and you know really it's a good thing for the most of the stuff that we do is that the Pioneer card pool is pretty large. So I think it suffers from having, you know, is this really what you're going to want to do when you're with your three-mana elf? Maybe, right? I mean, it's it's pretty likely that it gets you an elf most of the time, and I think menace is a decently relevant ability, but I'm definitely seeing this exactly like what you said, right? I think more likely in Standard, much less likely in Pioneer. It's definitely not where I'm starting. Maybe you could end up there with enough testing, like if the deck really needs some kind of effect like this, but I think you're right. I definitely am not starting with this in my elf deck for sure.
1: All right, uh, next day? Nothing nothing else? Not Not from the 11th. Fair enough. All right, next
0: day. Ricky, what do you want to talk about on the, what is this, the 12th? I'll leave you with the
1: best card. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, So I'll start off with, uh, I think there's only four cards I see that I think could be talked about here. It's a slow day, slow news day, but I think it's Starheim Unleashed is a very good card. Okay. Uh, Four mana sorcery, make a 4-4 White Angel Warrior token with Flying and Vigilance. So it makes a cheaper Sarah Angel than Sarah Angel. Uh, However, we can foretell it for two mana, and then it unflips for white XX, and if it is foretold, we make X tokens instead. So it's foretell the angels? Uh, It is foretell the angels. Um, The big thing here is this is a control finisher, of course, that you can actually hide really early in the game. You just set it for two mana with foretell and let it sit there until you're ready to end the game. You don't have to worry about your opponent thought seizing your Wincon out of your hand anymore. And when it gets to the point to win the game, you just shove all your mana into a Starheim unleashed and and uh, the game very quickly. Also, gorgeous
0: extended art treatment on the card. Gorgeous art both ways, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so Rick, just so Chris doesn't take it from me, I will I will say the best card on today is of course uh, Giant Ox, which is a one and a white creature ox zero six. Uh, giant ox cruise vehicles using its toughness rather than its power. And why this is important is I don't know if you any you all listening have seen the stream. Uh it's probably my favorite meme deck and pioneer. Uh it's called uh Croxa did seven eleven or yacht club because there's a card called Consulate Dreadnought that has cruise it's a two-mana vehicle. One mana, one mana. It, it's, sorry one mana vehicle that's a 7 Eleven for with crew six. And so the deck is: you play a Kroxa, you play a Rotting Regisaur, sort of on curve, and then you're especially Crox is the big one, right? Kroxa, and then you get to play your Kroxa, Kroon with the Sacrifice trigger on the stack, sack him. You have now can hit your opponent with a 711 on turn two. Ox is another way of letting you do that. Again, like the deck also would just play like Rotting Regisaur as a three mana version, but now we get Giant Ox to help fill that uh, that spot here and give us another two drop to let us do that. Deck also played Fling. It did play Fling. It is a wild deck. Yeah. So, ex- uh, coming to a stream near you. Rock, you knocks. should have known
2: better that I would not have taken the axe from you. I think you know the card I'm going to talk about. Oh, I'm, I'm assuming, but I had to be sure. The card we're talking about right now is Dual Strike. Oh, uh, really? If you wanted worse fork in the format, you got it. <laughs> Is that what I wanted <laughs> they I assume that's what you wanted hey, that's what I' the
0: endorsement worse fork
2: listen I was unemployed for Christmas and so my part-time job was to read all of the uh, notes that people were sending Santa Claus for things they wanted for Christmas. I pre-scrated and make sure there wasn't anything dirty or something that poor Santa's eyes could not read. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We had to, we uh-huh. had to you know, cleanse all the, the nonsense out of there. So sorry, by the way, uh, Timmy in uh, Alabaster, Florida, you're not getting that pony. You're way too young. That pony would kill you. I mean, just one kick and you're dead. Not happening. Uh, but however, Ricky wished for dual strike, and here it is, double red instant. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost four or less this turn, copy that spell and you may choose new targets for the copy. Or, or, as we can do with so many cards, we can foretell it uh, and cast it for one red. So there we go. I will say Mm -hmm.
1: that I did, in fact, the first time I ever streamed Magic the Gathering cards uh, on Arena was during War of the Spark release. And I played the super janky deck where you tried to dual cast and expansion Mm -hmm. uh, itself. With uh, Eric mm-hmm. in play. right,
2: right, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so that way you would you would copy it infinite times, and Ralzeric says whenever you copy a spell, you deal damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's what I did. So this being another piece for that awful deck is great. There we go. Uh, other than that, I don't know about this. I don't know, Chris.
2: There's a the thing is look, there's just a million cards that kind of do the same thing, but. You know, hey, I mean, I don't think any of them do it for as cheaply as one red if you have the time for it, right? So sure, I think sure. there's interesting things there, especially with one of the gods we're going to talk about later on.
1: One of them does it with a game-ending spell stapled on the back end of it, though.
2: True, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expansion Explosion, probably better. But hey, we don't you know, we don't have two mana all the time, too. That's so much mana. This costs half the amount of
1: mana. Sure. Well, since Chris took that card... Uh, I will get to take the other cool card here and leave Ruckman to talk about the poopy boring hate card. Okay. Uh, I'll talk about Burning Rune Demon. Okay. Being a six mana, six, six flyer, when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for exactly two cards not named Burning Rune Demon that also have different names from each other. If you do, you reveal those cards, an opponent gives you one of them, and the other one goes into your graveyard. Can we
2: call this factor demons?
1: This is a factor demon. Also, he is not a rune. So I'd just like to let you know you cannot tutor for him with the rune tutor card. You also cannot attach him to the crown equipment. Uh Um, But this card is sweet. There's, uh, I believe, M13 once again and not in Pioneer. rune scarred demon is 7 mana for a 5-5 flyer and it tutors for anything. Mm-hmm. This is 6 mana for a 6-6 six, six flyer, and we get to give our opponent a factor fiction that's a little more fact and a little less fiction. Right. Uh, I, I still think this card is pretty good. It might get beat up by Atris, which is a similar card, but for a little cheaper. It doesn't get you... It doesn't tutor, but it, you flip the top... Or you look at the top 3, make one face-down pile, make one face-up pile, and your opponent picks one to give you. So... Uh, that being said, our opponent makes the final choice here, but that's fine because we just get to pick two cards and they, you know, if you want a Wrath, you pick two Wraths of different names. At this point, honestly, the card pool is big enough that you can find a lot of very similar effects at similar costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think this card is good. Uh, definitely going to be sweet if there's like some weird pod-ish deck or like some creature based like deck that just can tutor for different combo pieces. Uh, I like this card.
0: Okay, and the uh, what, how would you refer to it as, Ricky? Uh, the poopy lame hate card. The, poop, that's good. the poopy lame hate card that is good. Weather rune stone, two mana for an artifact. Non land permanent cards in graveyards and libraries scanned to the battlefield, and players can't cast spells in their graveyards or libraries. So we have a two mana different take on Graft Digger's Cage here. Um, this is
1: super graph Digger's. This cage. is super.
0: Oh, it's one mana or more, so of course it's super Graft Digger's Cage. This one's like no, no, no. Put no, put that Panglacial no. Worm back.
1: Yeah, like no, that's not how we wanted Graph Cage to work. This is this is the real Graft Cage, and ain't nobody getting anything. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, you can ramp with it still, right?
1: From your yard, yeah, with lands, yeah. But Uro's not coming back. Not only that, you can't cast spells from your graveyard. Uh, so sorry, Snapcaster and other like effects like uh, Torrential Year Hulk and stuff like that. Right. It just, it just, nothing is going out of this graveyard. Nothing is going out of this library. Sorry. All right. Moving on to the 13th.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go first this time. Sure. I'm going to pick Mystic Reflection. Go ahead. One in a blue instant. Choose target non-legendary creature the next time one or more creatures or planes walks into the battlefield this turn. They enter as copies of the chosen creature. Oh, and it also has Fortell for a single blue. So what are we doing with this? Well, we're going to play a very blue devotion strategy, and we're going to play Master of Waves, and we are going to just run up the chain. Now, unfortunately, it's not an infinite loop. Like some people thought initially, it is just that first time. So what happens here? So some simple math here. Let's say you just have a Thassa's Oracle in play, right? when you play the master. Uh, actually, to make this easier on myself and without doing like, this with the calculator, I'm gonna say we just have the master of waves, right? Okay, sure. There's a chart to help you with this. Yeah, but I wanna like talk out the math instead of saying like you get this many. So say we just have a master of waves, right? We just have the master of waves, trigger on the stack, mystic reflection, the master of waves. Okay, so now that one token, we, that one one zero token we would get now enters as a master of waves which would then check our devotion is now two. So we would get two uh, elemental ho- water horse tokens, right? So now we are adding four power and water horse tokens, and we are adding four power worth of master waves to the board. And then, of course, if we would end up and say we had Athos's Oracle in play or just another blue pip, same thing, right? So if our devotion is two in the master as the battlefield, we would get two more master of waves, which would give us... Um, Four tokens, which would give us eight power across those tokens, plus the four plus Master of Waves. So you can see how quickly the math like scales up, right? It goes something along the lines of like eight. Six, where's the actual chart? <laughs> it essentially because each Lord is another anthem. Yeah, so it goes from so if you just have Master Waves, right? If you just so the chart is zero, it's in terms of blue pips before the Master Waves. So with just Master Waves, you get 10 power to the board, and it goes to 38, 98, 202, 362, 590, 898, 1298. So seems like fair numbers that will definitely not overflow arena. It is Well, you know, Master Waves is on there yet. Soon, though, okay, uh, they, they'll have to shut me down like they did with Scoot Swarm. <laughs> with the new token I'll to limit. I'll to take it from
2: my cold, dead hands. Yeah.
0: They, the Wizards doesn't want me to break the game. They're trying so hard. They say Ruckman can't have fun and break our game, which isn't that hard to do because it breaks itself already.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Who's got next? I'll Go ahead, take uh,
2: the Bears of Litajara. Okay. This is just a cute little pick in blue-green. Obviously, blue-green's um, not looking quite as broken as it has been. Uh, definitely still breaking the color pie. But I think there's a fun thing here. They're definitely sticking on theme with the blue-green, which I like. So uh, the Bears of Litajara is a one-colorless green and blue uh, enchantment. It's a saga. Uh, It says you make a 2-2 on the first chapter. Blue-blue shapeshifter token with changeling. So obviously shapeshifters have changeling. Uh, The second chapter is any number of target shapeshifter creatures you control have base power and toughness 4-4. That's fine. It just makes your guys a little bigger. Uh, The third one is what we're really trying to do here. Um, The last one says: choose up to one target creature or planeswalker. Each creature uh, with you control, sorry, each creature with power four or greater you control, deals damage equal to its power to that permanent. So that's pretty amazing. Um, I think that the interesting thing about the second chapter is that it's permanent. It just says any number of target creatures, shapeshifter creatures you control, have base power and toughness four four, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't end. So that's where if you're thinking, oh, you know, most of the time those type of effects say, hey, until the end of the turn, this one does not. So, you know, we're more likely to get our third chapter off. So the interesting thing here is obviously it gets a little token, and then in a, a chapter, you know, or two turns go by and it's some removal. So not the most broken card I've ever seen, but I think it's a little nifty one in case you were looking for like some blue green aggro type stuff. Sure. Ricky, what do, do you got? Type
1: action. All right, I got Redain, God of the Worthy. Oh, the other Snow. the other poopy hate card. Snow is for cowards apparently, or or at least the unworthy
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh because this three mana two three flying vigilance, which uh good stats by the way mm-hmm. uh god it's in white, uh not in blue, it says snow lands your opponent's control, enter the battlefield, tapped, and non creature spells your opponent cast with converted mana cost four or greater cost two more to cast uh so like Teague jr here, yeah uh you know uh no please mr teague is my father's name right uh please call me Reden. uh on the back side we've got this really interesting artifact uh protector shield uh four mana if a source and opponent control would deal damage to you or a permanent you control prevent one of that damage so sort of like super Urza's armor for four mana and then whenever you or another permanent you control become the target of a spell or an ability counter that spell or ability unless the controller pays one the fact that this catches abilities is very powerful.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think the back half of this card is insanely good. And I think the front half of this card is going to hose some people. The bad thing about this is I don't think that both halves are wanted in the same deck. Yeah, they're very different things, right? Very different. The front half is wanted in like an aggro deck that wants to uh, slow down a Wrath and also slow down Snow. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a shame that half the snowlands we're getting already under the battlefield tapped. Sure, sure. Uh, and then the back half really wants to be in like a control deck mm-hmm. that you're like bringing this card in against. Like,
0: sure. Um, my p- my next pick is Furge's Retribution. One white, white, black for a saga chapter one. Create a four four white angel creature token. With flying and vigilance, so you get a four-mana Sarah Angel here. Uh mm-hmm. Saga Chapter 2, until end of turn, Angels You Control gain tap, destroy target creature with power less than this creature's power. And then chapter three, angels you control gain double strength on the turn. So here we have kind of uh reminiscent of say history of new Benalia, right? So you get a token, and at the very end they get an upgrade. Instead of getting a second token here, uh any angel we have in play, just gets to blow up the board. Yeah. Or um, potentially kicking off lesser beings.
1: I think that this card is fine. I think that like I've been looking at all this because there's a lot of sagas in this set. And I'm gonna say i um, uh I think there's like only two I've seen that are like above the power level of history of Benalia.
0: Sure. I mean like I'm not trying to say it's better than history of Benalia. I'm just saying it's like kind of feels in that vein, right? Sure, sure, sure. It's definitely cool.
2: I think it's crazy to me because this represents such a huge shift from Sarah Angel, right? I mean, like obviously we're long past the days where that was a powerful card, but not only is it not a powerful card, it's going to cost one less and it's going to have two more effects on it, <laughs> right? Like you get uh, a lot more value out of it. Uh, so, kind of, it's kind of funny to me.
1: Angels don't cost five like they used to. No, that's for sure. all right ready to move on to the fourteenth? Uh,
2: yeah, I got, I got one I want to mention just because it could be nifty. Okay. For the Brewers out there, and that's Nafri, Betrayer Cake. Wow, Nafri, Narfie. It's worse than I thought it was. I wish it would be called... (laughs) It's called Narfie. It should be called Nafri. I'm going to call it Nafri. You know, I'm going to pull out Ricky. This card is called Nafri.
0: Just flip that F and that R. Yeah, heck yeah. His name's Nafri, but he was picked on in school, and they're like, oh, Nafri...
2: Right when I say it, since I've got the uh, the speech impediment, it's going to be called Narfi, you know, Uh, Narfi Betrayer King costs three colorless, a blue and a black. But I am going to be honest with you. Here is some spoilers here, right? We're spoilers of a spoiler. I don't know how off we're going to be casting it for that price, right? Maybe we are, but it's a four three, uh, and other snow and zombie creatures we control get plus one plus one. So hey, if we're playing zombies, great. But if we're not playing zombies and we want to play some snow creatures, good for us. We're going to be a little snow lord. The big deal. Is for three snow mana, we can return Narfi, wait, Nafri, Betrayer King from our graveyard to the battlefield tapped. And I think uh, that's going to be much more likely to uh, get our three mana for three than to pay
1: it up full cost, you know? Does, does Wizards just think that snow mana is like two mana equivalent? Yeah. Like, I don't. Like, uh, as a limited player, I'm looking at this card, and like, even if you have to draft your snowlands, the common duels are worth drafting, and like, this guy is just going to be the biggest pain. He's an uncommon, so you're going to see him a bunch. Yeah, and like at least he's legendary, so you can't stack them, but God. I don't know. That card seems insane and limited. All right, now for the 14th. Who's got first? Um, I got one. Okay. I'm just going to go for it. Uh, I think Cosmia, God of the Voyage, is probably the second or best god in the set. I think it's one of the best cards in the set. I think this card is being a little undervalued right now because it has a lot of words on it, and God, does it have a lot of words on it. Um, I'm just going to first address the back. We're not, we're not ever going to play the back. Uh, anyways, the back is a two-mana boat. It cruises for one. It's a 3-3. Three, three, and it says whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player, exile that many cards from the top of their deck, and we can play lands... That we exile this way. Look, like,
0: where people want to it, say it's Smuggler's Copter. It's not even close to Smuggler's Copter.
1: It doesn't fly. It's not good. But let's look at the front side. Um, now, I passed the task test and the tax test in elementary school. Uh, and I struggled reading this card. Oh my but gosh.
0: They're, they're just...
1: When does magic become reading comprehension exams? This is a 3-mana 2-4 Legendary Creature God... Uh, Kazima, God of the Voyage, however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to call it Maui, probably. Um, At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Cosmia. If you do, it gains, so in exile, it gains the ability, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if Cosmia is exiled, you may put a Voyage counter on it. If you don't, return Cosmia to the battlefield with X, 1-1 counters on it, and draw X cards, where X is the number of Voyage counters on it. Okay, so essentially it's a 2-4 for 3 that we can play in a control deck. It will block for one turn. On our upkeep, it exiles. We can play our land. It gets a counter. We can play our wrath. It's safe. And then every time we play a land, it gets another counter. And when we're ready to end the game, we can play a land, bring it in, draw cards. It'll be big, and we end the game with it. Also, even though it's legendary, we can have multiples in exile. Yeah. So we can play it on turn three, let it exile, uh, play our land to get a counter, play another one, and then on our upkeep exile that one too, and now we have two gaining counters. And then we can, whenever we want to, we bring one of them back and leave the other one in exile, keep gaining counters. And I think this is just a lot of value. Uh, it's also like just, I, don't, I think this is a big game for control players. Oh, for sure.
0: I think there are a few cards in this set that Control is going to make one hell of a comeback.
1: Right. Uh, So I think this card is, like, one of my favorite gods in the set. Like I said, it's definitely one
0: of, if not the best, one of, like, the best cards in the set. Who wants next? Uh, I'll take next, unless, Chris, you got something you were really burning to talk about.
2: Uh, Nothing. Uh, There's some cards I do want to talk about, but nothing. Um, This isn't isn't my day for sure. Sure.
0: Um, So I'm going to kind of do a bit of jumping around here uh, because I want to make sure we talk about this card and how important um, the card is going to be. I think timeline-wise, I think we we could hit uh, today's spoilers, but I just want to be sure here. So I was really iffy on Nico Defies Destiny, right? Uh, I definitely think this is more a standard card than a Pioneer card, but hear me out here, right? Especially if something would ever happen to Teferi. Um, Nico defies destiny, one white blue for a saga. Verse one, you gain two life for each foretold card and you, you own an exile. Ch- saga two, add white blue to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to foretell cards or cast spells that have foretell. Then, Saga three, or chapter three, return target card with foretell from your graveyard to your hand. Now, we talked last time about behold the multiverse being. A very, very powerful card, right? Like some decks already pl- still play of Genius. Um, people are playing the Jumpstart one for a while now. Behold the Multiverse we will see play. No doubt about it. We'll see tons of play. And today, on the 18th, again, I'm going to sort of jump ahead like we did last week on a card. We saw the spoiler for Doomscar, which is three white-white for Sorcery Destroy All Creatures, with foretell for one white-white. Now... Essentially, you know, all your control decks, right? Turn two, they're either playing a tap land or they're taking a turn off just the cantrip like an Azorius Charm. Maybe bounce like an okay threat to save some face here. Save a little damage as possible. Now they're taking turn two to play a foretell card, right? And what could that foretell card be? Well, more than likely, I, I haven't really fully gone through all the foretell cards see how many other really play, potential playables we have here. It could be Behold the Multiverse, right? Scry two, then draw two cards or it's Doomscar, or it's the Counterspell, right? Those are probably like the three we're playing if we're trying to like really lean into Fortell being our thing. And as an aggro player, right, it's face down, you don't know what that Fortel card is. You, and obviously as 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 an aggro player, right, you're always worth the Wrath. So your first thing that comes to mind is, that's the Wrath, I have to hold back, right? I can't advance my board state because I'm just gonna lose it, right? But obviously in Pioneer, you really got to hit the gas pedal you can't give these decks a break. So you have to think, is that going to be a turn three Wrath? Because if you're the Burn deck, that could blow up like three to four creatures and there goes most of your hand and most of your game plan, right? Because if you're the Burn deck, you're really worried about that turn four Wrath and you can really race that. But the turn four Wrath, you're going to be able to put a lot of damage in. As a po- and then with those creatures, and then you can easily clean up the game on the next turn with like a burn spell here, burn spell there. But with a three mana wrath, you're missing out on a whole turn of attackers, which really set back your burn spells ability to close out the game for you. And if you don't play those creatures, well, now your opponent just gets to draw their cards like they were going to anyway. And you just lost all the pressure that you had All the steam you had just to play around the the Wrath spell. It's going to be a card. Doomscar is going to be a card that you are always worried about and you can never really play around unless you have, like, a selfless spirit. And I think that as we look at Behold the Multiverse, we look at Doomscar, maybe the counters, I'm sure there's, like, one, even one more foretell card. And then we have... Nico defies destiny here again probably more of a standard card but if the format heads into this control shell really relying on fortel cards i could see this alongside teferi being your big turn three plays and i think there's a lot of stuff here to really put control in a good position to if we ever ban teferi that the red decks don't just take over the format
1: yeah sounds so. i I think that i mean that seems to me um i i do think that nico defies destiny is not the 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 card because of another card later that we'll talk about but uh, i do think that foretell cards are going to be big and i i'm going to predict now that wasteland strangler is going to see some sideboard play to main deck play in the black aggro decks mm-hmm. but uh i got another card to talk about on today this is the help that elf wanted uh Skem car skish anybody want to pronounce it Skemfar Avenger is a 2-mana 3-1 Elf Berserker. Uh, Whenever another non-token Elf or Berserker you control dies, you draw a card and you lose a life. This is... good. Mm -hmm. It is aggressively statted to attack. Uh, It's going to give us Wrath Protection for our Elves. It is not a May ability, so it could kill us, but I doubt it will. And It's essentially just like Elves is a deck that is frequently punished for overextending, as elf decks want to overextend. And I think this card is a good enough reason to overextend without fear. So I would... I'm not trying to say the card is bad, uh, but I Mm -hmm. would
0: counter-argue that what makes elves be able to go wide so fast is the fact that all of their early drops will add mana and progress your board. So now after your board is wiped, you're looking at a, a very, very full hand and you've lost all your ramp you're back to only be able to play like one or two spells a turn. The other problem I have with it, and again, I still like the card, right? Like I am I would not be surprised if this card sees sideboard play, at least in how I'm visioning elves, I'm probably not mainboarding it right, but it is still gonna be a good sideboard player for sure. But I think one of the big downsides is, you know, we've seen, especially with Midnight Reaper lately, the fact that this doesn't trigger off of itself is a big deal because now your opponent just gets to go well fatal push this guy and then I'll wrath the board.
1: But I feel like you're losing those games anyways where people are gonna fatal push card. And like, and pro- probably sure, right? Like you're not
0: wrong there. I'm just saying i I think this card is good, but I don't think it's the the control save matchup
1: saver. Yeah, I think I think it's not going to be in control. I think it's just good. Period. Like I think you always want this card.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's worse than Midnight Reaper, but I also think Midnight Reaper is, is pretty good and definitely seeing some Pioneer play. Like, I don't know. Like, I think if you're playing Black in your Elves deck, which you, you might be with this set, I, I can't see why it wouldn't play this. I mean, like, it's a 3-1. If we've got that many utility cards, maybe, right? Like, but I think that we've been missing quite a bit from Elves. So, it, you know, there's definitely a chance that we've got enough Elves to make this not there, because like you said, it not triggering off itself makes it so that, you know, this being just a two mana three one isn't good enough, right? That doesn't make our elf deck. So um, if there's enough creatures, I definitely could see that being the case. But if we are looking for one, right, if we're looking for, you know, an elf to play and something a little more aggressive or turning more sideways versus doing more, you know, some of the combo-y stuff or we're looking for shaman in the packs and whatnot, if we're not doing that kind of thing, then I could definitely see this being in the main deck.
1: That being said, anybody else got any other Pioneer relevant cards here?
2: I've got one that is worse than some people are thinking that it is and better than others. I guess that's all magic cards, but um, have we already talked about In Search of Greatness? We've not. We've not.
0: I figured that was a card. i was. (laughs) I was allowing. I was saving that card for you.
2: Yeah. In in Search of Greatness, you know, I, I obviously love searching my deck, Um, I'm not super hype on this card, but I could definitely see the right person with the right deck making this, you know, an all-star. So, In Search of Greatness is a double green enchantment, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may cast a permanent spell from your hand with converted mana cost equal to 1 plus the highest number of converted mana costs uh, among other permanents you control without paying its mana cost if you don't scry 1. So basically cast something for free equal to another permanent plus one to mana cost. And if we don't, we get to scry. So, you know, it's definitely, you know, bad vile. It's bad either vile, but it's a two mana scry
1: one, every upkeep.
2: It is right. And I think that's okay. Um, I don't think, you know, there's similar cards like that that are not seeing play. So, you know, the, I think we did a good job making it double green. I think if it was a single green, too many other types of decks would, would try and play this, but as I it think, is, I think you're gonna be hopefully seeing this more when it was intended. But I think sadly you're gonna see more of this in blue green decks than you do in aggro decks. I Just because I think green there's green
1: is the only saving grace of this card.
2: Yeah, because like because like my issue here, right, is like um hey, you know what costs four mana? Wilderness reclamation. You know what costs five mana? Nyssa. Other Planeswalkers, um, Luca, right? Like, I I think that there's, sadly, I think this card may be, you know, abused in decks that, like, where this should have been probably a way to, like, this should have been, like, creature only, in my opinion. Um, But then maybe it's too bad. But I think, you know, this is probably there to try and help some of the aggro decks or mid-range decks. And I think, if anything, it's just going to help some of the degenerate, you know, enchantment
1: Planeswalker shenanigans going on. So... I don't think so, because of how Fires works. You really don't get an extra cast with Fires. Sure. Uh, and the, the as, as restrictive as this card is, I think it's really hard to actually get to put a permanent card into play. Right. <clears throat> uh, on the plus side, with nothing else in play, you do get to put a one drop for free into play every turn if you have a land. Sure. Uh, it doesn't count itself because there's other permanents, so you mm-hmm. can't put a three-drop into play next turn for free. Right. Uh, I don't know. This card is. But those worlds are like rough. We,
2: we we can get Llanowar Elves. It's just it's you know it like I said it's definitely tough, but you know it, it lets us cast things for free, which you know there's got to be a deck that can use it. You know again sure. I, I think we're reserved because of the restrictions on it, right? It it costs other things. It costs two and not one. And as we all know, two is just a very crucial turn for like aggro decks, right? So are you really going to take the turn off in your aggro deck to play this? Maybe post-board, right? Maybe that's the answer. But, uh, you know, the only deck I could see really main decking this would be some kind of, like, enchantments deck, right? I think maybe that's the interesting thing for this is, you know, we're playing green devotion. We're playing green-white devotion with some Nyctos action, something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. But mono green, I could definitely see, you know, playing this with like some Carns or something like that, right? Something to that effect might be interesting because they play some of the enchant lands, some of the go big uh, green decks. So I think I could see this slotting in there. So I think there's a lot of potential. I just, I probably wish that it was creature to help those decks out more than where I think this is going to get played.
1: Sure.
2: But I You're think, gonna... I think right. the ceiling is very high on this card. Like I, I definitely think we could see somebody do something very busted with this, but it's going to be more with, you know, some of the, Planeswalker type stuff for enchantments.
0: We're we're coming we're coming up on time here, so let's. There's not a whole lot of release really spoilers that at least I sort of picked out, and I think honestly, if we just get like two picks each, we'll cover most of it, and then we can sort of go through next week and just sort of go over anything we really missed.
1: Sure.
0: All right. Um, uh, so Who wants to go first on their second to last pick?
1: I will do it. Okay, go for it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take. The Raven's Warning. Okay. Uh, this is a blue-white uh, rare saga. Uh, I think this card is sort of crazy good. Uh, so step one is create a 1-1 blue bird creature token with flying, and you gain two life. So we get a bird. We get two life for three mana on step one. Also, it costs one white-blue. Right, one white-blue. Uh, two- Uh, Whenever one or more creatures you control with flying deal combat damage to a player this turn, look at that player's hand and draw a card. So if our bird lives and can attack our opponent, we get to look at their hand. That's knowledge. That's very important. And we get to draw a card. Um, So it gives us the tools to achieve step two. Step three is you may put a card you own from outside of the game on top of your library. Karn is very powerful. And this gives us a bird and two life, and it tells our opponent that they need to answer our bird or we're going to draw another card and see their hand. And whether we did that or not on step three, we are going to put the best hate card we can on top of our deck. I think this card is very good. Uh, seeing your opponent's hand is a very powerful effect. It, yep. The fact that like it's it's not powerful enough to devote an entire card to it, but Jataxian Probe is banned for a lot of reasons but like being able to see when you were all clear to go for the win uh, was very powerful. Uh, I think this card is going to be very helpful in control decks and also maybe even in like sideboards of spirits or main deck in spirits uh, when you need to go more mid-rangey with that deck. I think this card is going to be very important in stabilizing the board. We get a blocker, we get two life, and if we can hang around long enough, we get a tutor. I think this card is very good. Definitely standard play, probably pioneer play, uh, probably not modern.
2: I'm with you. I I don't think this card should have been printed. I I do. I think that third chapter is, uh, too good. I don't know. We, we've got quite a few things that do that do that effect already. Um, and maybe it's too slow. Maybe I'm off here. But
0: like, it's not. I really not like this card. It's not even until turn five. You can already mass Inquisition. Sure, sure, sure. I
2: mean, um, don't get me wrong. But yeah, but on on turn five, we've also given us
0: on turn three, right? We got to gain two. No, life, sure. I know. Right. I don't want to downplay that. But I'm just saying, like. It's not like it's happening. It's going to happen on like they get they don't get to tutor on turn five. The big thing is they get to tutor for it on turn five and then have the manager to do whatever they tutor for. Right,
2: sure, and I and I think the big thing is it goes on top of their library, so it's not like you, you also know, won't uh, get the card until turn six. Right, because it's it, this is during your draw step that you do it. Right, it's well, it's after you draw, after you draw, but during your draw step. Yeah, yes, right. Yeah. The first thing you do in your draw step is draw, so that makes sense. So you do get a turn after. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the timeline that is just such that it doesn't matter, but it definitely seems very strong. People are already playing the, whatever, the Birth of Miletus or whatever, the thing that gains you life and makes a little wall.
0: Yeah, they're playing next to their Yorian deck and they're or they're like Luke-eyeing it around. Sure, sure. And, and like
2: I will say, this one, you don't particularly want to blink because you really do want that third chapter, but you could, right? I mean, you could blink it to make more creatures and gain some life and then draw some cards. I mean, I think the value's there. Um, so I think this card's very, very strong also.
1: All right, working. What you got? Uh,
0: my pick is going to be. I'll leave the God for Chris, um, and I want to talk about another very interesting tribal card in Orvar the All Form, which is our mythic shapeshifter for the set. For three and a blue, you get a 3-3 three, three Changeling. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, create a token that's a copy of one of those permanents. Then with then it has the ability, when a spell or an ability an opponent controls causes you to discard this card, create a creature token that's a copy of target permanent. So a lot to unpack here, right? It's tribal clones. Obviously, I've been really trying to look at and hype up A bio visionary Combo deck, and I mean, this guy just does it all for us already. It cuts down the number of shape changes we need in play for our Absorb Identity and lets us quasi-duplicate just to make another... If we get to make two tokens off a quasi-duplicate, it's also just interesting, you know, we're not a on the Veil format. um, I don't think anyone's going to hit that if we get seeds, but if they do, right, we have to copy it permanent. I think this card is such great design. It's obviously, like, going to be one of those big commander cards that gets picked up. I think this is a really interesting design, and I think the ceiling on this card can be very, very high once it gets unpacked.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that card just asking to be broken.
0: Chris?
2: Um, I... Wanted to see if Ruckman was okay with me talking about a certain troll saga. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm not going to talk about that card.
2: Perfect. I'm going to talk about it because uh, it reminds me of Ruckman. You know, it's it's a red, it's a green, it's a saga. When Arnie slays the troll, which might be one of my favorite card names in this entire set.
0: Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have someone alter Dutch onto that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> fair fair enough. Uh, Arnie slays the troll um its first chapter says target creature you control fights up to one target creature you do not control i think that's what saves this card right like we don't want typically want to be playing a lot of random enchantments in red green but the fact that this is removal means we can play it a little bit later or you know against another aggressive deck and the removal aspect is going to be there right chapter two we get to add a red so we get half of our investment back and we add two plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature we control right That's pretty much the card. This is going to be... That's going to be the reason you're playing this card. If you're not in it for that, you're probably not playing this card. But in my opinion, that's a lot for a two-mana enchantment that we've gotten half of our cost back. Um, And then the third chapter is you gain life equal to the greatest power among the creatures you control. So, you know, in the aggro mirror, that is useful. It's obviously not my favorite thing, but it's there. It's useful in the aggro mirrors. The only thing I don't like is that the red goes away in our draw step, right? Am I, am I understanding that
0: correctly? Yes.
1: So it, it you get it in the first main phase. Do you? Yeah. So it, sagas happen after the first main phase. No. After your draw after step. After you draw, yeah. I thought
2: they happened during your draw step. And and then the mana goes
1: away as steps. No, step when you because it's after step. your draw steps. That's main phase one. Yeah, but the th- the th- okay,
0: how they work is you don't get the effect until the main phase, but it's a draw step trigger because you don't gain priority when the sagas go on the stack
2: okay so this card is better okay perfect yeah well um definitely a card that i like it is is it main deck playable i'm not sure but it's definitely sideboard playable and i think this does a lot in creature mirrors and that's huge right like we get a removal we get to make our guy bigger and get our investment back and then we get to gain life to potentially change that clock so that was one of the better cards in my opinion that i'm seeing from this set
1: all right ricky last card do you want the plow or should I take the plow? You could take the plow because I want to talk about the angel. All right. Well, then I'm not going to take the plow. I'm a limited boy now. <laughs> I play limited. Cosmo Elixir is going to be dumb and limited. Uh, four mana artifact that being your end step. Draw a card if your life total is higher than your greater the, as total is greater than your starting life total. Otherwise, you gain two life. I'm telling you, this card's going to be dumb and limited. It's the best white card in the set for commander. It is also the best white card in the set for Commander. Um, This card's really fun, and, you know, new sets are supposed to be fun and exciting, and I think this card is stupid. It won't see any competitive play. I'll play against it and groan and Limited when my opponent has 21 life because of something stupid, and they cast it, and they draw an extra card, and I I lose. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think this card's exciting and fun, so that's why I decided to put it here. All right, Chris, what do you got? Uh, obviously, I'm going to
2: talk about one red god called Bergy. Uh I'm going to call her Fergie. Uh, Fergie, the god of storytelling, uh, costs two colorless and a red for a 3-3 god. And, uh, you know, no fancy attack stats on it or anything, but whenever we cast a spell, add a red mana. Until the end of the turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Uh, creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once. Sure. But obviously we're doing this card to do other broken things, right? Whenever we cast any spell, creature spell, instant sorcery, we get a red back. That is insane. You know, I mean, we obviously already have Brawl in Pioneer, but, uh, you know, Brawl number three, I guess, since we've got the little goblin that adds, potentially makes stuff cost less as well. You know, that may be something extra, especially because this is a backside, which is going to be really crazy, called Harnfell, Horn of Bounty, it costs four colorless and a red. It's a legendary artifact. Discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library, and you can play those cards this turn. So, effect we've seen similar, right? To the you know the tap on Magmatic Channeler, but this card, it's got to be good somewhere. I mean, you know, we've got similar type creatures, but the fact that this has got two sides to it. There's no activation cost to that discarding a card as many times as you want for as many cards as you have in hand. You can discard them to play the top two. You know, so if you're flooding out late. Or you drew something you don't want, you can pitch them to take uh, two more spins at the wheel and see what you get. So, you know, I think a lot of people are very, very excited about this card. I don't even think I need to hype it up anymore because if you've been paying attention to spoilers, you've seen this card.
1: My favorite thing about this card, real quick mm-hmm. a lot of times in limited, you have rares that are just constructed playable and they don't really do anything in the limited format. Mm-hmm. Uh, effects like whenever you cast a spell, would Red, not going to be great in limited. But this has a second ability that's only going to be good and limited, which is the Double Boast. Right. So this card will be good and constructed and good and limited. Congratulations, Wizards. You you did it. This is (laughs) it. This is the perfect card. It's designed for everyone. Mm -hmm. You did it. I think it does it all. I'm super
2: excited for this card.
0: All right, and then my last card is going to be Righteous Valkyrie, which was of course leaked very early on, but is now officially spoiled. For two and a white, you get a 2-4 Angel Cleric with flying. Whenever another Angel or Cleric enters the battlefield, or your battlefield under your control, you gain light equal to that creature's toughness. As long as you have at least seven life or more than your starting life total, creatures you control gain plus two, plus two. Now, this card is very early on spoiled. We were definitely brewing up a lot of angels, a lot of cleric stuff. I think this card is a very simple swap-in into the mono-white sort of life gain angel deck that we already have in Pi that we haven't seen in quite a while. I think this card could definitely do a lot, and that deck doesn't even need a lot of tweaking, right? You just throw this card in, and hey, now your... What's the two-mana one for? Bishop of Wings is going to gain you, what, eight life? Like, this card is going to be good, I think... Pioneer's aggressive that you still have to work to turn it on, but it's not going to be a stretch to be turning this card on. It's a 2-4, so it's a good blocker at a three-drop, so you can play it on your turn three. You get to block several twos and one drops and like the burn decks and things like that. I think this card is very good. I think, you know, if you like sort of life gain decks and things like that, you don't have to really bend over backwards to make this card work. There are already plenty of tools in the format, and you it'll it it's good. I think. Over my overall feelings on this set are there are definitely several key standout cards here, and but I think a lot of this set really makes me miss FMs right now because I think there are a lot of things I want to try in this for in, in the format with these cards that aren't going to be winning challenges, I don't necessarily think, unless several bands happen, right? But they are decks I would love to just take to my FNM and just have fun with them, right? Like these, are like the tier two to tier three decks that you're just like, oh, it's Friday night. I'm going to go down to the shop, play four or five rounds and just have fun in the format.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think you. this set is a prover's paradise. I really do. I mean, there's so many just different cards between foretell, foretell Mechanics, Tribal, right? Like some equipment type stuff. There's so much in here that I think is, you know, kind of in that spirit of fun and diverse magic that I really, really like this set for that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the set for sure.
0: I think if if the sets that we see coming up in the next, you know, year or so are follow this kind of format or this sort of like card power level, I think it's a good direction for Magic. I agree. All right. I think this set looks awesome. This set's going to be fun. Like I said, there's about 30 cards left to spoil, so we will definitely uh, talk about those if, if there's any real standouts next week. On the episode, on the podcast, and then of course next week we'll be recording the Patreon exclusive, which will be us determining and debating our top five picks, and then you'll see the top five picks when I put that video up on YouTube. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to wrap up here, uh, gentlemen. Again, because we're going gonna this episode's going to go a little longer because we we also have the comment interview to put in. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you again for joining me. Any any other closing thoughts here? Nope. Nah. Find me just, on Twitter. So yeah. Find mm-hmm. Ricky on. We're the Twitters, Chris. I'm at it's underscore Christmas. Ricky. At also Steve. And I am at crew three podcast. Also check us out on twitch.tv slash crew three MTG, youtube.com slash crew three MTG or not. I don't think we have the the slash crew three MTG on YouTube. We are also patreoncom slash crew three MTG. And if you want to support the show, that's awesome. I because we haven't been given the, the media stuff for it yet. I don't have the little nice announcement image yet. But on the 27th, we will be taking part in the Early Access event. And as things stand, we're all healthy and safe enough that hopefully all the boys get together. And then we're also going to film those pie bets and finally cash those all in. So it should be a ton of fun. Be sure to tune in for that. We'll probably get started as soon as we can, around like 10 or so. I think is when we started last time. Um, also, the next um, webcam event will be on February the 6th. That will be the first time. Calheim is legal, so be sure to take advantage of all of your of your twelve proxy rule there, and just uh, enjoy just brew the format, right? So it should be a lot of fun. Thank you all both again for joining me. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.